Welcome to 100 Lunches. I'm Jessica Nelson. And I'm Stephanie Lindsay. We're the founders of Etch Design Group. Each episode, we'll have intimate conversations that transcend the usual lunch meeting. We'll dig into the lives of fascinating people in the design industry, and we'll ask the big questions, the small questions, and maybe even a few that sound like it came straight from a fortune cookie. Our vision for this podcast is to uncover the hidden gems and what led each of our guests to their calling in life, from childhood dreams to favorite lunchtime meals. Buckle up, you're in for a treat. Welcome back to episode four of 100 Lunches. Because we know part one of our story was just a teaser for you, we wanted to follow it up with part two to discuss a bit more about how we got here, more of our etch journey, and just a little bit more about us. So a few friends also reached out after hearing our first podcast, and they sent us some follow-up questions. So we're going to go over those today. And Steph, I'm going to let you kick it off. Perfect. So Sam Hamill from our team sent us our first question. She said, tell us more about what the first days of Etch were like and what the journey has been with Etch. This question will be the longest of this episode because we're going to talk about the last nine years of our life and hopefully give you a little bit more insight. The first thing that I remember when we were starting out was that we really wanted flexibility. That was really key to us. And because of that, we worked from home. We didn't want an office. We knew eventually we would have a team, which is why we named it Etch Design Group, but we really didn't know how we were going to get there. We just knew we wanted flexibility. I was pregnant. So the first nine months of our business, I took a lot of naps during the day and worked <laughs> at night. And and we felt like we had flexibility and also work-life balance, which is odd because I think we worked harder than we had ever worked mm -hmm. in our lives during that time. We wore all the hats, whether it was marketing or um, website development to pulling the design presentations together to sales to whatever it was, we did them all. We didn't hire consultants. Um, we just tried to do everything ourselves. And I was in Excel doing spreadsheets and reconciling credit card statements. And Jess was putting our business cards together and doing the website. That's one of my earliest memories is you presenting our first website to me. And <laughs> we went to lunch and you had put this beautiful website together. Our first portfolio piece was a nursery. And not only did Jess design it and order everything and install it for our client, but she also photographed it. And we were so proud of that little nursery. And oh gosh, we really thought that we were going to maybe only focus on nurseries. I remember that being an early conversation of, could we just niche ourselves and only focus on children's rooms? we really loved that idea and they're so fun and playful and we just thought we'd never get tired of it. I don't think we would have ever gotten tired of it. We still would want to do nurseries to this day. We have a friend in California that that is her business, Little Crown Interiors, and she focuses on nurseries. And so we reached out to her and bounced ideas off of her. The projects that came to us originally were new construction. And, and so we just felt like we were being pulled to larger scopes of work and just felt like that was what our future had in store for us. And 
some of the early projects that stand out in my mind also came from Scott. So your husband, Scott, obviously, um, he worked for Magnolia Home at Best Buy. And so he would have AV clients that also needed interior design help. And so he would refer us to those clients. And that was, I mean, kind of how we got started. We also had Amanda, who's one of Jess's best friends and a realtor in Austin that would refer projects to us. She's been one of our biggest cheerleaders over the last nine years and still is. And honestly, just those relationships, those friends that helped us get our foot in the door started out. What else do you remember? Gosh, I remember, <clears throat> I remember a lot of things. Uh, I think the first thing that comes to our mind, my mind is the fact that our cars were basically our office. So we, they are, they were literally filled to the brim with like everything you can imagine, like these huge tile samples, awkward flooring samples, carpet, rugs, grout. I mean, you name it, we had everything in our car. And um, I remember going around corners was always a little challenging because everything would shift from one side of the car to the other. And I had so many broken tiles. I remember I'd go back to the tile showrooms and I'm like, can I get another one of these? And they're like, you had like three already. And I'm like, I know, but they keep breaking in my car. <laughs> so that was a little challenging. Um, but I also remember since we didn't have an office, we basically met our clients at coffee shops and local showrooms and just really anywhere we could, um, you know, just sit down with them and have a quiet space. Uh, we definitely didn't do any like tile meetings in coffee shops, though I'm sure the thought crossed our mind a time or two. Um, but we'd sit down and <laughs> we'd review plans and, you know, all kinds of things. So um, it was, it worked like that until about year three when we actually met with a potential client who kind of presented us with a dream job. Um, it was amazing. We really liked the clients. We had a great meeting with them. And um, they gave us a call a couple days later and they said that they actually ended up going with another designer. <clears throat> and honestly, it really took the wind out of our sails. Like we were really devastated. Um, we thought it was a great project. We were excited about the clients. We were excited just about the potential of the fact that they called us. We were still a pretty new firm at that point. Um, so we soaked for a little bit, but you know, then we got back up, we put our big girl pants on and we decided to face our fears. And so we called and asked the client for feedback on why they didn't go with us and why they went with the other designer. And I think what she said actually really surprised us because it was basically for the fact that we didn't have an office. We didn't feel stable to them. Um, the other design firm, you know, had brought them into their space and kind of showed them all these beautiful projects that they worked on. and. Um, that's, I think, when it kind of hit us that everything that we had really been against of like, you know, having a, a space that we had to sit at every day and, you know, uh, do like the status quo of, you know, having this, <clears throat> this office that we had to man 24-7 uh, was, in fact, the reason why we didn't get this project. So it was a huge eye opener to us. And I think that's when, you know, things turned a little bit in our minds and we really had to evaluate and say... <clears throat> what is it that we want here? Do we want to be this kind of small boutique firm that just operates out of the back of our cars? Or do we want this to be something bigger? And Steph and I both agreed that we definitely wanted this to be something bigger. So bam, just like that, we, uh, when Steph and I come up with something in our minds that we're going to do, 
we will always do it and we will do it pretty quickly. <laughs> That's just one thing you'll learn about us. So uh, we started looking for office space like right away. And at that point, we were kind of on text by text basis with a lot of our clients and our clients were, we were really close with them. Um, I mean, to this day, a lot of our clients were still really close with, but um, our, one of our clients at the time, he was actually working at a co-working space. He was just about to let his space go. Um, he was moving on to some other things and he said, you guys should definitely check this space out. So we did. Um, we uh, went and looked at it and it was actually just a really small <clears throat> office uh, suite that had like multiple spaces, a conference room, a really small kitchen. And we decided to uh, land there for a little while. So we um, rented one space. Then I think within like two weeks, we rented another space. And we pretty much had the conference room like on lockdown. Like we were <laughs> pretty much the only ones that used it. And we took over. Uh, we totally took over. Um, so at that point it was, it was pretty evident to us that, um, we needed, we were growing quickly and we needed to like figure out what the next move was. And so then we started looking for a new office that took a lot longer than we anticipated it was going to. Um, we looked for months and months and months and we wanted something that we could sign like a three-year lease to instead of doing like a month to month thing, which is what we had been doing at that point. <clears throat> And I remember driving down Burnett Road and I saw this for rent sign um, on the side of the road. And it was in this cute little storefront building. It was next door to a construction firm and a coffee shop. And I remember going um, to look at it and thinking, wow, this place needs a lot of work, a lot of work that we cannot afford to do. <laughs> And, uh, I was, I was a bit bummed because I was like, I thought it was really going to be the perfect space. And then the lady said, well, I actually have the space next door coming open in just a couple months here. The, um, the construction firm is actually waiting on their new space, their new office to be done. So she's like, I don't know exactly when it's going to be, but I would say within the next couple months. And I immediately was like, oh my God, like, this is amazing. Uh, so we went and looked at it. I walked in, I immediately thought like, this is our space. Like, I just know this is where we're supposed to be. And I remember calling Stephanie afterwards and, um, she's like, Oh, this all sounds great. She's like, well, how much is it? And I told her the price and she's like, are you kidding me? You can't do that. What are you thinking? And I literally had to beg her to consider this building. And I was like, let me do my diligence. Like I will go back to them. I'll see what we can do about costs. Like I have to make this work. And, uh, man, I really had to work on her a little bit, but she finally said yes. And she gave in. And, um, so we bit the bullet, we signed the lease and we did a really, really quick turnaround on a remodel and actually moved into the space, I think just like a month before Scott's accident. So that was 2019, just four years after a starting edge. And, um, then roll in 2020, which was the busiest year ever, um, we had over 350 project inquiries that year, which, I mean, that's almost an inquiry a day. Like, that's insane. <clears throat> so um, at that point, um, you know, it was pretty evident that, um, like, that's where we were supposed to be. We made the right move in the time that we did. And, you know, it was, I, I think everything, the stars just aligned, honestly. That story about... <laughs> you calling me 
I think gives a pretty clear picture of what our relationship is like <laughs> because both Jessica and my husband, Ian, know that I have to sit on things in order to really come to terms with it before I make a decision. I'm not an impulse shopper. I like to research and understand all of the potential possibilities, and then we can make a decision. And Jess is the complete opposite. <laughs> she can go with her gut feeling and say, this is meant to be, and this is what we're supposed to do. Let's do it. And I need a little bit more time to come to terms with things. So Jess has learned over the years that she needs to present me with an idea. And then a couple of days later, she can add more to that idea. And then a couple of days later, she can add more and just build on that foundation until finally I get it. And I go, okay, I'm at peace with it. We can move on. But yeah, yes, that I remember getting that call and going, we we haven't we didn't even talk to a realtor about this. You just found it on the side of the road. You don't know these people. It ha that has come in handy in the sense that anytime I have a sticky situation, I call Jess and I say, I need you to call this person and <laughs> talk to them and yeah. see if we can get the price lower or if we can if we can make this work somehow because that's not my personality. So it's worked out for the best. We have a, we have a thing uh, that's called just, we need to pull Barb out. We call her Barb. She's my alter ego. Um, I use her whenever I need to get something done <laughs> and Barb always comes through for me. So uh, that that's kind of been an ongoing joke in our office of uh, Jess. I think Barb needs to, to give someone a call. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, going back, just to align everything, going back to when we moved to that first co-working space and we had realized, okay, we, if we're going to be more established and get the ideal projects that we really want to work on, then we need to have an office. At that same time, I was pregnant with my second child and Jess had had her first child. So we're together now almost at three. <laughs> And realizing, okay, this might be a little bit more than we can handle. We had had a few interns and part-time contract designers along the way, but we both just realized, okay, we, we probably need to see what it would be to have a full-time designer on our staff. And we both really were nervous about that. Obviously, we had never hired before, and we felt a huge weight on our shoulders and a responsibility for someone else to bring them on full time. And we just wanted to make sure that we could promise that to someone and keep our end of the deal. And it felt a little nerve wracking. So we didn't post a job posting about the position. And as we were talking about it through that month, I remember our first designer reached out to us through email and just said, Hey, I've been following you. I'm moving to Austin. I would love an opportunity to talk to you and see if, if we might be a good fit. And we both went, we need to get on the phone with her. She sounds amazing. And so we got on the phone, we did a three-way conference call because we didn't really have, we had a phone number at the time, but it wasn't, it didn't have really fancy extensions where we could easily just get on a conference call with someone. So we, <clears throat> We got on a three-way call with her and I remember, I don't know why, but I remember being in my bedroom and my 
my toddler was taking a nap and I remember thinking, okay, I've got to be quiet, but I also really want to be engaged in this conversation. And that also gives you a peek into what it was like, probably still actually, if we're being honest, is what it is like when we've got kids and we're juggling work. And so we're sitting there and I remember talking to her and Jess texted me as we were on the phone with her and she goes, I love her in all caps. And so I went, okay, I know Jess is going to be pushing for this. <laughs> and obviously I was, I was pretty convinced as well. And so next step was to meet with her in person. So we met with her surprise at a coffee shop <laughs> and, <laughs> and I remember being there thinking, okay, this feels really good. She's our person. And it was the most awkward coffee shop meeting I think we've ever had because there was a guy next to us that was had his back to us and was in a conversation with another group but he kept bending over so his rear end was right in our faces so we're trying to have this super professional interview and there's this guy that is just interrupting at every minute and we all giggled and I thought that that was also a good sign that she was a good fit for us, that she could be humble and giggle with us and just let it be a lighthearted moment. And so we, we also kind of took that as a sign throughout the years of if there was something awkward that happened, <laughs> we kind of knew it was the right fit. I don't think I've ever told this story, but <laughs> what's coming to mind is that one time oh I was on Zoom interviewing one of our team members. And my son woke up from his nap and I typically would schedule things around nap time so that there, it would be quiet. And if I didn't have help and <laughs> this one day I was on zoom interviewing one of our team members and my son woke up, I got him out of his crib and he had a dirty diaper. I changed that poopy <laughs> diaper on zoom while I was interviewing her. She had no idea because I paused the conversation, turned off my mic and camera and everything. But I was like, you know what? Maybe this is one of those signs. It's a, it's an awkward moment for me. And so maybe she's meant to be a part of our team. Oh my God. Yeah. That's so great. anyway, back to that original team member. She was amazing, a great fit. And we walked away from that coffee shop meeting thinking, okay, we found our first designer. We feel really good about this. I Googled how to write an offer letter. We sent it to her and, and then she responded saying, okay, I'll take this into consideration. I'm also considering another position that I got an offer for. And, and that was the first time I think for me personally, I went, oh, we're not the only option on the table for her. And it was a little nerve wracking. So we, we ended up chatting with her further after that. And then lo and behold, she chose us and came to work for these two crazy gals that did not have it put together. She was so great that we hired our second full-time designer within a month because we realized, oh, this works. This works well. Yeah. And huge, huge way. It was awesome to have other people helping. And I don't really know how to describe what has happened from that first hire to now, other than lots of amazing projects, lots of amazing clients, lots of amazing team members. 
Anything else you'd add to that, Jess? Oh, gosh. I mean, the transgression of everything, I think, has been really quick and also really slow at the same time. Like, we just kind of add to and add to. I think, you know, COVID was a quite a roller coaster ride for us. Um, that was the year, I think, that we grew really exponentially. I mean, we hired, what, five designers that year, maybe? Or five, it was it was a huge year of growth for us, and um, I think it very quickly got to a point where we said, "Okay, you know what? Where are we where are we stopping here? What are we what are we doing?" <laughs> and we kind of had to reevaluate because at that point everything had moved so quickly that I think our roles had changed a lot, but we didn't really have the time to reevaluate what our roles looked like or should look like or could look like. Um, so I think we were at a little bit of a, um, a standstill between us personally, like the team was growing, we were thriving, but we're like, where do we go from here? And what do we do? And how do we do it? Because we had kind of reached our like cap point of what we knew to get to. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it was, it was very much an eye opener of like, okay, well, we need to we need to start putting more plans in place and we really need to start diving into the business a bit more and <clears throat> just figuring out what it is that we want to shoot for. What does that look like? And timeline and people count and, you know, and all of that. So I think that was, that was something that um, the growth really helped us to, to take a, a solid look at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we're still doing that today. We are still analyzing and coming up with new ideas and always trying to be better. I think we've answered yeah. that question best we can. <laughs> These next ones will go shorter, hopefully, maybe a little bit of a speed round. So yeah. Lauren sent in a couple of questions. She wanted to know more about Jess's experience before design. What did you know about interior design before meeting Scott's sister? Oh gosh. What did I know about design? Well, I I would say from a young age, I had always had kind of a knack for envisioning how to make a space better. Um, I remember I was always like rearranging my bedroom or maybe rearranging the living room furniture if my mom let me. Uh, painting my room. Um, <clears throat> I shared a room with my sister. I remember that. So I could only get away with so much before she was, you know, putting her foot down. But um, I think I got a lot of that, honestly, from my dad. Uh, we didn't live with my dad. My brother and I <clears throat> lived in Oklahoma with my mom and my stepdad and my brother, my stepbrother and sister. We'll call them my brother and sister because they've been there since I was two. Um, but I think his homes were always just impeccable. Nothing was ever out of place, which was like a stark contrast from our house growing up because it was a three bedroom house and there were six of us. So we all shared a room. It was very cozy. Um, so he, he loved having nice things and he was, I would say a bit showy, which I didn't mind, honestly. Um, although I think it kind of drove my mom a little crazy. Um, my mom had other priorities. You know, she was raising four kids. She had a lot she had to take care of. And, you know, keeping a house nice with four kids is almost next to impossible, as I'm sure Stephanie could tell you. <laughs> um, so I remember in my teenage years, 
my mom and I, we'd go to Target and um, I'd pick out like random accessories and, you know, different things for the house. And she'd kind of let me have fun with it. She, she actually, I think, enjoyed it um, <clears throat> because that was some time that we got to spend together. And she knew that I really thrived in, on, on that. So she kind of let me do my thing. So um, <clears throat> like fast forward to my first or second or even third apartment, I always got such a joy out of decorating and designing the space that I was in. Um, furniture shopping was like always a favorite pastime of mine. And I remember my dad and I actually driving like all over Dallas and he helped me buy furniture for one of my apartments. And he was a salesman by trade. So we always got like the best deal and, uh, we just really had a good time with it. So that's, that's kind of my prequel to, you know, meeting Scott's sister. Okay. And why do you think your time at Best Buy was necessary? What have you carried with you or benefited from, from that experience that helps you today? It's a good question. Well, I think when you pair like the early childhood years with my time at Best Buy, where I really got to learn about technology and sales and business management, it really helped shape me into, I think, the person that I am today. Um, it also taught me a lot about how to work with really all different types of people, which I think is a very valuable trait to have. Um, there's a lot of personalities and egos that you have to contend with when you're working in retail. So I think it just taught me how to adapt and how to go with the flow and really not take things too seriously. Um, I was always pretty serious about sales. I loved to sell. Um, I guess I kind of came by that honestly <clears throat> with my dad. Um, in fact, I remember my teacher, my lighting teacher at Texas State um, coming up to me after a big presentation that I had, and she told me that I could sell ice to an Eskimo, <laughs> and she was like blown away. Uh, it was like such a proud moment for me because I'm like, okay, my dad like really did rub off on me, but um, uh, I think it just kind of goes to show like there are so many similarities between like my time at Best Buy and what we do today. I mean, <clears throat> relationship building, there is still a lot of sales. You know, you kind of have to sometimes talk people into your idea and why you think it's a good one. And, um, and so I think that, you know, all of that really helped. Um, the other thing I would say is that I truly had no idea what I really wanted to do with my life until honestly, that day that I saw Scott's sister working on her design project, um, I knew I was going to be going back to school. I didn't know what it would be for. I actually was going to go back to Texas State and register in public relations. Um, but it was in that moment that it honestly just clicked for me. And um, I, if I had tried to go to school for design in my 20s, I don't think I would be here today, honestly. Um, it's a really hard program and there's a lot you got to do. And you have to be really dedicated. And I think at that point, you know, uh, Best Buy was a great like stepping stone for me because it, it kind of grounded me and it gave me what I needed at the time. And, um, and I mean, to this day, I mean, I met my husband there. I met some of my best friends there, honestly, best friends to this day, and they'll be lifelong friends. And I, you know, owe that to my time there. So I think there's a lot of positive things that, that came from that time at Best Buy for sure. I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> that made, for some reason, made me think of another question that was asked that didn't make it on this list. And that was how much time we spent editing our first episode. <laughs> and 
and we actually didn't edit our first episode. We just posted it as is that what you hear and what you see is what we recorded word for word. So it's just kind of funny. I will say round one of recording our first episode did not go as smoothly and we did not use that one, (laughs) nor did round two, but round three, we recorded and posted and that's what you hear. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Amy sent in a few questions and these ones we will both answer. So Jess, you start. What do you love about design? Oh, uh, I'd say this is a two-part answer. Part one would be the technical side of things. Um, I love playing in AutoCAD and just reworking spaces. Um, Remodels are my jam. I love them. It's such a little brain puzzle and uh, it's so fun and just really rewarding, especially when you can see it all come to life. And I think the second part um, would definitely be the connection factor and the ability to really change someone's life uh, truly make someone's life better and more enjoyable through the work that we do. <clears throat> when you're in a space that you truly love and it feels like a representation of who you are, um, I think that's honestly when the magic happens and people just radiate differently. Um, their energy is different and they just feel more alive and at peace. So I think the psychology is is very real and um, it just goes to show that we can really make a difference um, in people's lives. What about you, Steph? (laughs) My answer is similar uh, in the sense that we both love AutoCAD. We both love to draw and to do the technical side of it, rework, remodel plans, so on and so forth. My first job in the industry was actually for a builder And he would take me to job sites. I would measure the house and then put it in AutoCAD and then do the remodel plan and elevations. And he would sit beside me. It was just the two of us working on plans in that moment. And it was so fun. I just fell in love with it. And obviously the technical side comes easier to me, um, which is why Jess and I are more yin and yang, because I feel like she's more creative (laughs) and (laughs) has more of that brain than I do. So. So I have always loved the technical side of design. And the other part that I really love is how it changes how someone feels. I really do think there's a literal difference between being in a cluttered, uninspiring space to being in a clean, organized, and well-designed space. And it affects your mood. It affects all sorts of things. And just your confidence level, even just being in a space that you feel inspired by and is well-designed. And so I think it affects how we are as people. Yeah, totally agree. What do you think is challenging about design that people don't realize or know? Um, there are some days that it can be very stressful Um, because I am such a relationship focused person when a client or even someone in the office maybe is unhappy with something, um, I can really let it get to me. I think I'm always going to be my own worst critic. I I mean, I'm a perfectionist. I think most of us in the office are. Um, and if the client is upset about something, it just eats away at me for days, honestly, until it gets resolved. Um, and I think, We juggle a lot of things from day to day. And at the end of the day, we're the ones responsible for 
all of the intricate details of a project. So you have to be really on your game at all times. Otherwise, mistakes will happen and things can slip through the cracks, which is a tough lesson to learn. And because of that, you know, tensions run high and uh, especially towards the end of a project, all of the things that we've been selecting for the past year are being installed all at once. So the client is usually just kind of done. Like they, they love seeing their space start to come together, but they also want it to be wrapped up. Like they want to be in their house. And so the last thing they want to be dealing with are issues, which is completely understandable. But um, the fact of the matter is a lot of what we do are remodels and remodels are just you know, you, you just never know how the project's going to unfold. So um, there's a lot of things out of our control as well, like back orders or construction delays or damaged products or furniture lead times, you name it. And um, they happen every day, but, you know, these things can still shape the way a client thinks about etch. And um, it's always unfortunate, like when that does happen. So I feel like we do our best to set proper expectations up front to really help our clients understand what a project can can and will look like. But, uh, you know, I think flexibility is just something that everyone has to have in that process. What about you? Steph? I agree. There are countless decisions when you're designing a space, <clears throat> new construction, remodel, furniture, you name it, whatever we're designing, there are countless decisions and we aren't perfect we're people, everyone makes mistakes. And the beginning part of design is so exciting that it's just all about possibilities and dreaming and creating. When you get to the point where implementation really starts, that's when it gets tricky because all of these things that you've been dreaming about, you start to see in reality. And sometimes there are little details that are missed or things that we made assumptions about or things that the client made an assumption about that we had no idea they were making an assumption. I'll never forget we had a client and we could give examples of this mm -hmm. further too, but the one that stands out in my mind is we had this really intricate dining table base. And everyone loved this table. I mean, the clients loved it. We loved it, ordered it, got the chairs in, and they wouldn't fit all the way under the table. The client was really upset. And in our minds, we went, well, the intricate table base would keep the chairs from going in all the way. That, yeah. Right. It It seemed obvious to us. And we had no idea that she had the expectation or, and I don't, I don't know that she even realized it until she got everything there and went to go sit in the chair and then realized mm -hmm. the chair wouldn't go in all the way and realized that that was something that was important to her. And we didn't know that. And so it was a tricky thing and maneuvering those situations when, when, someone's not happy is just really hard and yeah, it just weighs on us. Yeah. So yeah. what yeah. keeps you motivated? Where do you find motivation when you're starting to feel dried up? Cool. Um, I would say books, typically audiobooks. Um, I never have time to like sit and read. It's just impossible. So it's usually when I'm driving around in the car, um, and if I need a little inspiration, I, I always kind of revert back to like self-help books. Some people are 
all for them. Other people just like do not go there, but I am a self-help book kind of girl. Um, something that gives me some insight and motivation, I think always, uh, you know, can come from a source like that. So I love the teachings of Abraham and laws of attraction. Uh, I love listening to things like that, or maybe even a motivational speaker. Right now, I'm actually listening to Tony Robbins, um, Unleash the Power Within. So that one's been a good one. And I think uh, exercise is another thing that helps me get out of a funk, though I feel like I kind of go in waves with that. I don't know. Uh, it's hard for me to stay focused on those things for long periods of time. And then I think the other, only other thing I would say when I'm feeling like really stuck or need some motivation would be to like take myself to the water. I love the lake. I love the ocean. I just feel like I am kind of my best self whenever I'm near the water. It just like rebalances me and like mentally and physically. And it's just a place where I can like reflect and um, think about maybe what I need in my life or what I need to let go of in my life and just makes me feel more grounded. So those are, those are my top three, I would say. What about you, Steph? <clears throat> I really would love to know what our team would say. So we'll have to ask them this question. Yeah. I think that would be really interesting. You know, honestly, my answer, I think kind of changes from time to time, but over the last year and a half, uh, last year was a really difficult year personally and professionally. And last year, um, I realized that one of the things that really gets me back to where I need to be is my kids. Like if I need rejuvenation, like or I'm feeling dried up or drained, I need more time with them and they fill my bucket. They may drive me a little crazy most times, <laughs> but <laughs> but I really need them. Like I need their energy and to be around them and to feel their goodness and their presence. And um, they, they just fill my bucket back up. So that's probably a top one for me. Yeah. The next question is probably my easiest question to answer. What are your go-to easy breakfasts and lunches? Uh, I think that might be my hardest question to answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the worst when it comes to all things food uh, related. I just, I, I'm not like a meal prepper. Um, I'm, I'm kind of like whatever is there in front of me at the moment. So I typically have prepackaged meals delivered to me on Sundays. And so that kind of gets me through the whole week, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, so if I have to think about lunch or breakfast every day, I'm probably going to Starbucks and <laughs> it'll end up just costing me more time and money. So uh, that's that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> but Steph, <I> mean, <laughs> completely different. <laughs> I breakfast is my favorite meal of the day. Every day we have smoothies, we regularly make pancakes, French toast, but honestly, we we have days where we make crepes, waffles, German pancakes, sausages, bacon, we get fruit prepared, yogurt, granola, oatmeal. <laughs> I love it all. And we have a wide variety of breakfast at our home and I could talk about it all day. So breakfast is my jam. If I'm eating out or just as husband Scott is making breakfast, then I order eggs Benedict, but I won't make it myself. Mm. And lunches are pretty difficult. We normally eat leftovers from the night before 
And if I'm making lunch, then I'll do a tuna sandwich or salad. But if I'm eating out, then I probably am going to order breakfast for lunch again. (laughs) (laughs) What does work-life balance look like and how do you maintain it? I mean, I'm the worst when it comes to work-life balance. This is like a daily challenge for me. I am by nature a workaholic and I tend to put unnecessary pressure on myself to get things done quickly, even when maybe no one else is putting pressure on me to get things done quickly. Uh, So that's a challenge. Um, I think this also goes back to what we discussed on episode two with Sydney about how what we do doesn't always feel like a job. Um, Design is really something I, I live and breathe. So even if I'm not doing something for a client, I'm probably working on a personal project, like the house that Scott and I just got done remodeling. Um, I have like a million things to do still. And uh, I just have to kind of chip away at that list one by one. But obviously those things happen on my free time. So it starts to feel like I'm working 24 seven. I don't really slow down much. So um, when I do need to slow down, my body kind of tells me that usually by shutting down. Uh, so I, yeah, I'm not the best when it comes to work-life balance. I, I do not know how to sit still and I couldn't tell you the last time I took a nap. Oh, I could tell you the last time I took a nap. It would be when I had COVID a few weeks ago (laughs) and it got me down for days. So obviously my body was telling me you got to slow down. What about you, Steph? So this is such a struggle for both of us. And like you said, it's, it etches our baby. And so it's really hard to shut off. For me, work-life balance isn't necessarily there and I don't necessarily know how to maintain it. But uh, for me, I just try to be present in each moment. So whether it's work time and so I'm trying to stay focused on that, I just try to give it my all. And then the next moment my kids are home from school and I'm in that zone, I just try to stay where I'm at, even though I don't always do great at it. And if there's some quote unquote emergency that isn't really an emergency, but something that we consider an edge emergency, then I have a harder time distancing myself from it because we want to take care of it right away. And Jess and I both are morning people. So we both get up early and sometimes for me, it's about whatever's happening at the time. Sometimes it's easier for me to disconnect and have better balance. And other times my brain is really focused on something. I think that we as adults are a lot like kids in the sense that we, when we're ready for something, our brain is ready for something, whether it's a learning opportunity or uh, a task that we need to complete. When, When we are ready for it, we go all in and we're ready to focus on it. But when we're not ready for that, then it's harder to get in the zone. And so for me, I, I'll have moments where I have an idea or a project I'm working on or something. And when I can't get it out of my brain is when it's hardest for me to get work-life balance, because I just want to get everything that I have stirring in my brain out. And sometimes I'll wake up at 4 a.m. and I, I'm thinking about something or an idea has come to me. And so I'll hop on my computer and start working and I'll send Jess a text of such and such. And within minutes, she's texting me back of, oh, let's talk about that today. So <laughs> we, 
we I live similar them. lives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, ha- we haven't quite figured out work-life balance. Uh, it's still, sure, it's but... still enjoyable though. I mean, yes. We, oh, hundred percent. You know? So I think it, it does give us a balance in that sense because it, it still gives us, it still feeds that creative side. It still feeds kind of those passions that we have. So Again, it doesn't really feel like a job most days, um, and we we really love what we do. So, amazing. Mm-hmm. Last question: Going into business with a friend can be a dangerous recipe. What makes it work so well for us? Oh, we get asked this questions like this a lot, um, <clears throat> and I think truly finding someone who has the same work ethic and the same passion and drive as you is a, is a good start. Um, Steph and I both really complement each other's traits really well, which I think also helps, but most importantly, um, there's no ego between Steph and I, we both really value and respect each other equally as business partners, as friends, Um, like we truly just want the best for each other. And I think we've learned a lot over the years and we've grown together both personally and professionally. And at the end of the day, I really can't imagine doing this with anyone else. And I think we've found a really good groove and just support each other and balance each other in so many ways. And, um, I'm just really like grateful for what we have. Um, I know that not all partnerships are like that, but, um, Ours is, and I'm so thankful for that. Me too. Me too. I think that not always in every situation, but together we are humble with each other and have humility in our relationship. Like you said, there's no ego. We also complement each other well and our our traits, our skills complement each other well. I think that we both know we don't want to do this alone and we both know we're better together. And so fundamentally at our core, we have an understanding about each other that just gives us perseverance to keep going because we know that we can do more together than apart. I also think that we've had tough conversations over the years and been honest with each other. Um, Like early on, I remember having conversations, little ones here and there, or big ones where we've told each other things that hurt or things that we didn't like that the other person did. And it was not, and the other person didn't take it as an ego moment as, or even as a punch, it was just, okay, now I'm understanding what you need and what you don't need. And so through those conversations over the years, we've learned how to communicate with each other and how to present things to each other and honestly, how to read each other. Like we know when the other person needs something. And so we react on that. And sometimes we need each other to lift each other up. And so we just step into those roles and we, we just try our best to be our best for each other. Yeah. And I think operating together as like one team is really key. Um, in fact, so much so that our, our team actually coined the, the term Jessany for Stephanie and I. And uh, that's kind of actually stuck to this day. Um, we're like Brangelina, <laughs> the Edge version. 
Um, so it's just kind of funny. Like the team really, I think, sees us as as one operating unit, and um, and it's great. I mean, that's, that's exactly how I would want it to be. So, anything else, Steph? Nope. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's about all the time we have today. Um, hopefully our story has been insightful and you've learned a little bit more about us that you didn't already know. Um, we really like to thank you for tuning in and sharing your time with us. And we look forward to having you back with us again for episode five. Thank you. We appreciate you tuning in to part two of our story today and being a part of our virtual lunch table. Until next time, stay curious, keep dreaming. And remember, the best conversations are always better with a side of something delicious. Mm -mm -mm.